Hey guys, welcome back to Through the Years, a Dragon Ball podcast. My name is Landon. If this is your first time listening, thank you for giving Through the Years a chance. It really does mean more than you know. So, a little bit of housekeeping before we get started with the main part of our show today. I just want to say uh, I'm sorry for not being around last week. So my plan is there will be a new episode, if not new episodes, each and every Tuesday. Unfortunately, this last week, um, sickness hit my house. My wife, I'm pretty sure she had COVID. I don't think I had it. We're pretty sure she had it. We could not get tested just because all of, well, all the testing places are just incredibly overwhelmed. You can't buy home test kits anymore uh, because as soon as they get them in stock, they are taken away. So it was uh, it was an interesting rough week. So I apologize. I I just couldn't find the time to do it. And then whenever I had the time, um, because I do, <laughs> you guys are going to get to know me a lot more than you probably imagine. Um, I do have really bad allergies and I have really bad asthma. So doing all of the preventative measures to just stay safe from COVID in case I did have it or I did get it. I never had any symptoms, but um, with all of the medicine I was pumping in, it just really did a number on my voice. So I didn't even have a voice to record once I found the time. So I apologize for that. I'm going to make it up to you guys by giving you double episodes this week. And so, yeah. A little bit of recap um, before we jump into it. So episode one, we went over episodes one and two of Dragon Ball, which was the secrets of the Dragon Balls and episode two, which was the Emperor's Quest. I think we're still going to we're, we're just going to try doing two episodes of the show per podcast for now. Um, we could increase that. We could increase it to where regularly we have multiple podcasts a week. Just for the sake of moving through content, because I don't want to power through it too quickly. Yes, I really want to get to Dragon Ball Z. Yes, I really want to get to GT and Super and the movies and all those kind of things. But I don't want us to to skip over um, the importance of Dragon Ball um, and for what it means for the rest of, well, Dragon Ball as a whole. Uh, I know it's confusing to jump back between Dragon Ball the show in Dragon Ball, the universe, I guess, or the the entity, the fandom, wh whatever you want to say. So it, it's important that we cover everything as we're doing that. And so I just think it's important that we that we do it. So we are going to do it. So today, this is episode two. We are going to be covering Dragon Ball episode three and four from season one. I'm still trying to figure out the deeper we get into Dragon Ball, will I use the actual like number in order or will I use season number order? We'll see. We'll figure out once we, you know, once we jump into season two, what happens. But we're going to be doing Dragon Ball season one, episode three and four today. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Season one, episode three is titled The Nimbus Cloud of Roshi. Right off the bat, we have some exciting character debuts, okay? Now, I know this. some of these may not necessarily be like the most exciting 
Um, but they are very, very important because we are going to see them later on. So the the most fun one, I think, is we actually see Robo Toriyama in this episode. I mean, some people might call him Robot Toriyama or uh, you might be more familiar with Toribot, but essentially Robo Toriyama is a character based on Akira Toriyama um, and he would use this kind of this character design of a robot to represent himself in uh, either in the anime or the manga or just even like promotional art and stuff like that. So if you don't know what he looks like, if you watch the YouTube version of the episode, you will see a picture of him. That way you can just keep your eyes out for him in future episodes. I just wanted to throw that appearance out there because it is important um, because obviously it's Akira Toriyama, uh, but it's just a fun and kind of a random character to see throughout the series. We also had the debut of the turtle hermit Roshi. We're going to uncover his identity a little more in the future, um, but we do see his debut here in episode three. And we also see Nimbus, the cloud of Nimbus, flying Nimbus, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's important because Nimbus isn't just in Dragon Ball. We see Nimbus at the beginning of Dragon Ball Z. Um, through the Saiyan arc, we also see Nimbus as far as later on when Gohan's in high school and stuff like that. Um, and we see Nimbus in GT as well. And super, so it's it's just important to remember these characters and see just how, I don't know if integral is the right word, but just how crucial they are to the story of Dragon Ball. And it's not like, hey, they're just randomly here and there. It's like, oh no, like they've been here throughout literally the history of Dragon Ball. So those are our three character debuts for episode three, Robo Toriyama, Roshi, and Nimbus. So in the last episode, I pointed out uh, the importance of animals in Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, Dragon Ball Super, and just like the kookiness, I guess you could say the weirdness of them, because they're not like, some are like animals we would see here on Earth, and then some have different characteristics, like, what was it? We were talking about episode two, where a dinosaur shows up, and... Um, no, I guess it's episode one. The pterodactyl shows up and it talks and it has like this witty banter with both Goku and Bulma. And it's like, you're you're not going to get that in real life. Well, we get an even crazier version of that, if you will, right off the bat at the beginning of episode three, because we last saw Goku and Bulma take off with Turtle to help Turtle find his way back home remember they're 100 miles away so between episode two and episode three turtle has been traveling all this time with them pretty much the 100 miles to be able to get back home to where he belongs and we see this crazy animal it's like a big bear bandit i think it's a bear doesn't look like a tiger doesn't look like a lion um, maybe a wolf, but I'm pretty sure it's a bear. It's this big bear bandit. And he stops Bulma and Goku and Turtle. And like he's ready to eat humans. And this bandit just straight up pulls out a sword on the gang. And it's like, hey, 
yes, it's an artistic style, but like you just look at the sheer size of this bear bandit compared to Bulma and Turtle and Goku. It's insane. Like just a huge, huge difference between the two in statures and size and everything like that. Goku steps up to fight. Like I mentioned this a lot in the first episode, and I'm going to mention this so much because it's so, so crucial to the story of Dragon Ball. It's so, so crucial to the story of Goku. We see Goku's like his like most inner primal characteristics um, since the head injury um, that we will later find out a lot more about late, later on in the series. Um, but who Goku is after Grandpa Gohan um, spent time with him before Grandpa Gohan's passing. And Goku is brave. He will stand up to a challenge. He will fight. I mean, we saw this with Goku's interactions with the car, with the motorcycle, with the capsule corp house, all these kind of things. And we see it again right here with the bear bandit. And like Goku just, this is just how crazy Goku is. Um, with, with his boldness, his bravery and everything, but just like, once again, the abnormal supernatural strength, um, and abilities that a, a kid, a toddler, nonetheless should not have as Goku just playfully dodges every swing of the sword. Like it's absolutely nothing. And like, this is a huge bear bandit. Maybe, you know, maybe the sword's moving a little slower because of just the sheer size and the sheer mass of this bear guy. But Nevertheless, like Goku's just willfully dodging all those swings. Goku punches the bandit between the eyes three times. Just a nice little three hit combo, like just so casually, so calculated at the same time. And that that's something that's just so impressive about Goku that we even see from such a young age that it's not like just brute strength that doesn't have control or anything. There's glimpses of that. But it's also like, hey, he just casually hit this guy with a perfect three-hit combo right between the eyes. Like, it was nothing. But it wasn't like, oh, hey, I just got really lucky and was able to hit him in the same spot three times. It's like, oh, no, like, he's skilled enough to actually do that. And so it's really right after this, they beat up the bear bandit and they continue to go on their way. And this is when you see the cameo of Robotori Ama um, because he is seen at the top of a palm tree as the trio arrives at the beach. And this is the beach that uh, was 100 miles away in the last episode that Turtle wants them to go to um, so he can get back home because he's been lost. So just watch carefully. If you miss it, rewind it as they're approaching the beach before you even see them. You will see Robotori Ama just chilling in a palm tree. Super fun cameo, by the way. Now it cuts over to um, Emperor Pilaf. Um, but it's kind of just a weird moment right, right before we get to Pilaf that they get to the beach and Turtle is free. And it's like, huh, that, that's kind of weird that, you know, Turtle seemed like he's going to be an important character at the end of episode two, but here they are. They got him to where he needs to go and they're letting him free. And that's the end of that. So now it cuts over to Emperor Pilaf and he's seen riding a horse while a crowd is shown bowing before him. Just a really interesting visual as we're starting to uncover more of who Emperor Pilaf is. 
that he seems like a child, but he's also like literally insane. Like he's crazy. He's vicious the way that he, you know, he farted and um, there's no way that he could take the blame for it. So he blamed it on shoe and had like the trap door with the robot arms, hold him up and just held a chainsaw until shoe took the blame for it. Like this dude is insane. He's unstable, cannot be trusted. So we're seeing more layers of this character revealed as he's riding this horse to the crowd. People are just willingly bowing down before him. And Mai and Shu break the news that they failed their mission. If you don't remember what mission, in episode two, they are sent to investigate where an agent had failed. Um, thought there was a red glow that might be the Dragon Ball. And in all actuality, it was the red glow of the eyes of wolves. And so they they took the airplane, they run into the wolves with Goku, they try to escape. Goku beats up all the wolves and takes out their plane, which he thinks is a bird, and it crashes. So they return defeated and explain to Pilaf that they, you know, they failed this mission that they were sent out to do. Now, keep in mind, this is the second batch of agents to fail this particular mission and investigation. And Pilaf just absolutely comes unglued until he receives a phone call. And that phone call actually tips off Emperor Pilaf that a hermit named Roshi has a dragon ball. So this is the first mention of Roshi that we've had at all up until this point. So Pilaf gets this phone call. He gets the tip about Roshi and that Roshi, this hermit, allegedly has a dragon ball. Pilaf takes matters into his own hands. You know, the saying of if you want something done right, do it yourself. So Pilaf joins Mai and Chu because he does not trust them one bit to get this job done. He's already seen them fail. Okay, so he joins them. Now we cut back over to the beach where Goku and Bulma are. That the last time we saw them a little bit ago, they had released Turtle, and now Turtle returns. They see um, something in the distance. They think it's Turtle, and it looks like there's somebody with Turtle, or there's something on Turtle's back. Turtle returns with his master. The master introduces himself as Roshi the Turtle Hermit, who just happens to have the three-star Dragon Ball around his neck on a necklace. Roshi asks who helped Turtle. Turtle says it was Goku. Master Roshi said that he wants to give Goku a gift. And Goku's like, awesome, cool, what is it? And he's thinking about it for a second and he realizes what he should give. And so Roshi calls upon flying Nimbus. And you're like, well, what is that? When out of the distance, we see a golden yellowish cloud arrive and it's just sitting there floating, hovering on the beach, shoots out of the atmosphere down to where they are standing. And Roshi reveals in order to ride Nimbus, the rider must be pure of heart. And they kind of joked, um, you know, before this, I, sh I should have mentioned this a second ago, but they joke about like a magic carpet. And Roshi's like, well, crap. I don't actually have one of my magic carpets with me. It's at the dry cleaners or something, something to that effect. And he's like, oh, there is Nimbus. And so he calls Nimbus and you know, Roshi knows that the rider must be pure of heart. 
And it's funny because Roshi attempts to jump onto Nimbus and falls right through the cloud like you would expect any anyone to experience when stepping on a cloud. And Turtle is like, hey, you know, maybe you're not as pure hard as you think. Roshi snaps at Turtle. And so it's like, okay, well, is this true or is it fake? As we're thinking about that, it cuts back over and we see Pilaf, Mai, and Shu pulling up on a little island with a bright pink house that says the Kami house. And it turns out it's Roshi's island. Now, the Kami house is important just because this is, once again, this is a, I wouldn't call it a character, but it is a staple location throughout Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, GT, and Super as well. Get used to the the visual of just the bright pink house. And this is one of my favorite encounters with the house. I'm going to tell you why. Because Pilaf tries to pick the lock, but can't. And Mai and Shu just sneak through the window. And so it's like, oh, we don't just get to see the outside. I think we're about to actually get to see the inside of this house. Which is super cool because it's one thing, you know, Earlier, whenever Pilaf is going through the village, it's really easy to be like, oh, look at all these buildings. But to actually see the inside of them and just have that, I like to call it world building, that additional depth added, that additional knowledge, the the world building taking place just to make it a little more realistic and a little more graspable. I don't know if that's a word, but we're going to use it for the sake of right now. So they, you know, they're shocked that Pilaf can't get inside when they just climb through the window. So we'll be right back because Pilaf, his key did not work. We cut back over to the gang at the beach and we see Goku has quickly become a master of the Nimbus cloud. Roshi even says it's as if Goku has always had it. Um, and this is where it gets uh, a little awkward because... You know, Bulma wants a gift as well. She tried to take credit for helping Turtle because she also recognized the Dragon Ball around Roshi's neck. And Roshi just immediately looks at Turtle and Turtle is like, no, it was Goku. Goku helped me. Well, Bulma is still insistent on getting a gift from Roshi. Hopefully the three-star Dragon Ball. And this is, we talked about it a little bit. Um last episode this is just you know it, it's part of the culture thing um where tori tori the context of where toriyama is writing from the, the culture he's familiar with um some of like the the edgier like where sexuality meets like comedy um and awkwardness and just things like that and roshi reveals um his dirty old man side and gets a little bit of a nosebleed um, just because that's who Roshi is. And so they kind of work out, Roshi works out this agreement with Bulma that if Bulma agrees to give the old hermit a peek, you know, then he should give her the Dragon Ball in return. The hermit tries to come up with a gift and Bulma suggests the three-star ball. And after some very unintentional persuasion Bulma gets the three-star ball um obviously we're not going to show this or anything but Bulma agrees to give 
Roshi a peek, but because of something Goku did in our last episode, it was a lot more of a... How do I want to say this? It was a lot more exposure. <laughs> Bulma gave a lot more exposure than she was planning. Um, and so, like, Roshi wasn't expecting it at all. Gets another nosebleed and just absolutely is like, whoa, yeah, here you go. Like, oh my, like, here, like, absolutely. That's more than enough persuasion. So the duo returns to, um, when I say the duo, Bulma and Goku, the duo returns back to the capsule house. And Bulma finds out awkwardly the hard way why her persuasion was so effective. And that's because she finds an article of clothing she believes she still had on um, that clearly she did not. And it's kind of awkward. It's kind of funny. Um, it is what it is. Um, and that's just a part of the culture of Dragon Ball. Uh, we don't see as much of that with GT, Z, and Super. Um, but we need to address it when it comes up, um, just to understand the context of what's going on. So Goku admits to being the reason behind it, and Bulma, in rage, loads a machine gun and casually shoots a kid again. First time it was with a pistol. This time it looks, I'm, I'm sorry about that. It looks like an Uzi, like she loads the clip in and just bullet after bullet is just shooting Goku casually. Like, I love Bulma's instinct is to shoot children. I hope this doesn't get flagged. Um, this doesn't get pulled down um, from any of the streaming areas that it's uploaded, but like, <laughs> like this is, you know, not my first instinct. I'm, I'm going to say that. Not my first instinct, but that is Bulma's first instinct. Let's cut back over to Kami House. There is a super cool alligator who's shown tanning outside of it. Like, this alligator is just sick. Like, he's got shades on. Like, he's leaned back in, like, one of those reclining lawn chairs. Like, just living his life, catching some rays. Like, are, is he friends with Roshi? Is he friends with Turtle? Do they know each other? Does he live there? Like, what's going on? Just Roshi, has he like seen Roshi tan before? And he's like, you know, it looks pretty relaxing. I'm going to go do that myself. Regardless, this cool alligator is just vibing out there. And Pilaf threatens him with a knife until he points out that Roshi is arriving back on the beach. Thankfully, alligator sees out of the corner of his eye. Roshi is on turtle's back, cruising through the water, returning. Um, so the alligator is safe, but like, you got to give Pilaf credit. This is the unstable side again, but dude just straight up like goes up. Yes, the alligator is tanning, but Pilaf goes up to an alligator and just holds a knife to his neck and is like, hey, talker, I'm going to kill you. Like, you got to give Pilaf some credit for being brave and being bold. So Roshi arrives back on the beach and he tells the bad guys what he did with the Dragon Ball. And he tells them to get off his island because he doesn't have it. He just gave it away. And they're mad. They've got like this little water plane, kind of like a duck plane. I think that's what they're called. And, you know, Roshi's trying to get him off the island. And he's giving him a push. And Roshi accidentally punctures their boat plane, their duck plane with his staff. 
And he knows what he did, and he does not acknowledge that, doesn't let on to him, waves him off. They are off to go. Bulma and Goku take off on the motorcycle, and now Nimbus, because Bulma can't ride on it, but Goku can. And we just see, uh, really for the first time, like how impressive Nimbus is, is that it's keeping up with Bulma riding this motorcycle. As the episode gets ready to end, we see the bad guy sink to the ocean thanks to an accidental hole created by the turtle hermit Roshi. This has been season one, episode three, the Nimbus cloud of Roshi. We're going to pause real quick. And then we'll be back with Season 1, Episode 4, Oolong the Terrible. To you, Goku, my greatest pupil with a tail. I entrust this ancient dragon boy. Keep it and the others from the evil emperor. And while fearsome creatures may stand in your way and be your lunch, you'll also have many allies, even Bulma. Two brave warriors, fast-kicking Krillin and sword-swinging Yamcha, will help you defeat the emperor and his evil fighters. Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball. Action figures and collectible figures from Bandai. All right, and we are back from our break. I hope you guys enjoy these breaks. Um, I'm I'm just trying to be creative um, just with how to spread out um, these episodes because I don't want to be like, and here's this episode. Now that we're finished with that, here's this other episode. Um, I mean, that's a possibility, but just to add some fun thing because there is a plethora of Dragon Ball Z commercials and ads and interviews and things like that that we can that I can weave into this show just to break it up and have a little fun. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. So let's let's just jump right into it with Season 1, Episode 4, Oolong the Terrible. Now, really, the only character debut we have, yes, there's other characters in it, but the only real one that's going to stick with us is Oolong. If you know who that is, you know. If not, you're going to find out here shortly and in the episodes to follow. So where we last saw, where we left off with episode three, we saw Goku and Bulma taken off um, on a motorcycle in Nimbus. And we saw Roshi just vibing on his island as Pilaf, Shu, and Mai sank thanks to a little help from Master Roshi. So Bulma crashes and crashes hard on her motorcycle. She sees that a fifth Dragon Ball is near. Remember, she's got the radar and the Dragon Ball's glow. Goku, while helping her, notices a village in the distance. And this is another thing we saw when Goku and Bulma were first together. Goku talks about he reveals he knows what a car is even though he's never seen one and he knows what cities are even though he's never seen one or been to one his only context is the part of nature that he's been in and if there's anywhere around there that grandpa gohan took him or he's adventured on his own so he recognizes a city it's more so a village let's call it a village he recognizes a village in the distance and they head that way, and the village is barren upon their arrival. When looking around the village, they notice people are hiding inside. It's not actually abandoned. It's just people are inside. Side note, this did remind me of The Mandalorian Season 2. Spoiler, whenever The Mandalorian runs into 
um, this abandoned town that he thinks is abandoned, but they're all really hiding. And we meet Ahsoka and all those kind of things. So I was just thinking about that in my mind. It's a cool visual. So it's not abandoned. People are just hiding inside for some reason. Goku just casually punches a hole in a front door. Doesn't knock. Doesn't see if it's unlocked. Just straight up just punches a hole through the door. Reaches through said hole. Opens the door. And they enter. And Sherman Priest hits Goku in the head with an axe. So not only have we seen adults hit Goku with their car and shoot Goku on multiple accounts, we've now seen an adult, well, I guess Bulma's a teenager, we've now seen an adult just straight up hit Goku square on top of the head with an axe. The man, Sherman Priest, apologizes to Oolong. Goku thinks that's weird. The man's daughter points out that Goku is an Oolong. Everyone's just acting confused. It's like, why did you call Goku Oolong? Who is Oolong? What's going on? And the village quickly surrounds the house to see what's going on. The people who were all hiding inside their houses are now have flooded and filled this area right outside a Sherman Priest house. That's just a fun name, Sherman Priest. Um, but they're there to see what's going on. So Oolong's horrendous powers are revealed by Sherman Priest. He explains that Oolong shapeshifts and no one knows his true form. And Sherman also explains that Oolong visited yesterday and that Oolong plans to take his daughter's hand in marriage. So now we're already figuring out that whoever this Oolong guy is, is not good. Not good at all. He's harassing the the village. He's able to shapeshift into these terrible, horrible things. And no one knows what he really looks like because he's able to change into what he wants to be and therefore just has constant um, the ability to constantly terrorize this village, including Sherman Priest. Um, and now they're like, okay, well, he's coming back. We th- Sorry, we thought you were him because he threatened us and said that he plans on taking my daughter's hand in marriage, and we thought you were him, but he's coming back tomorrow. He, he visited yesterday and said he's coming back. And so Bulma explains that they're very, very sorry, but they're here for the Dragon Ball. And this old lady steps forward from the crowd to show that she has a Dragon Ball. Remember, it was that Dragon Ball, this will be the fifth one that they've encountered or that we've at least seen or, or, or known about. Um, but that's what caused Bulma's crash. And now here they are. Bulma's explaining this is what's going on. This lady steps forward with that Dragon Ball that caused Bulma to crash earlier and alerted her. Um, And this old woman says that she's had it in her family for generations and generations. Bulma says that they will help get rid of Oolong only in return for the Dragon Ball. So Bulma is just wheeling and dealing, doing what she can to get these Dragon Balls. So Bulma comes up with a plan to lure Oolong. And that plan involves Bulma dressing Goku up as a girl. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time about this um, because immediately in my mind, as I was watching the scene for the first time in well over a decade, maybe two decades, I immediately thought about in Dragon Ball GT, whenever there's a very similar situation where, um, where Zunama, this giant, humongous creature, catfish-looking dude, um, he wiggles his 
little catfish like whisker things. I'm sure there's a better name for that. Um, but he wiggles his whiskers to cause earthquakes and to terrorize this village. And so at the time, Pan, Goku, and Trunks come up with the idea, hey, let's dress up Trunks as the girl that Zunama is planning on marrying, trick him, and that's how we get him. So, you know, Dragon Ball GT, I know we'll get into it a lot deeper um, down the road, but Dragon Ball GT is a lot more like Dragon Ball than it is Dragon Ball Z. So that's just important to remember because here we see almost an exact copy and people could be like, oh, hey, that's lazy. They literally just ripped that off. I, I like it. I think it's a callback and I think it's a good callback. Um, interesting callback, but a, a good callback nonetheless. Um, so immediately I'm like, okay, let's see how similar these two situations play out. So Oolong arrives, okay? Goku tries to play the part. He's dressed up as a girl. And as Oolong is just standing there as like this hideous monster thing, Goku trembles and tries to remain composed. Oolong then transforms into a handsome man. Looks like the handsome man that was trapped in the TV on the soap opera, according to Goku, the handsome man that Bulma found very, very dapper and very, very handsome. Bulma jumps in and allows infatuation to take the lead. This causes a dilemma for Oolong um, because Oolong is like, oh, well, you know, here's an older and prettier girl. And she's like taking to this easy, easy, easy. While Oolong is distracted by Bulma, Goku takes advantage of this time to go pee. This is why Goku was trembling because he had to pee really, really bad. And it just so happens to show um, that by the posture in which Goku is relieving himself in the form of urination reveals that, hey, I don't think that's Pokawampa. I don't think a girl would be standing and using the restroom in the way Goku is. You know, Goku, like any toddler raised in the wilderness is just peeing in the street standing up oolong quickly catches on and becomes enraged and he transforms into a gigantic bull and sherman priest tells bulma that oolong transforms into the one thing people desire most in order to trick them that is why oolong transformed into that handsome man um was to try and get goku who Pokawampa is Sherman Priest's daughter. Um, thought Goku was actually Pokawampa and was trying to further seduce and persuade by appealing to her as this really handsome man when it was really Bulma who was infatuated with that. And, you know, this is, you know, Aunt Oolong's, to his credit, that's smart. That's a smart tactic feed not just on people's fears, um, but their desires and their wants as well. Goku stands up to Oolong the Bull and is ready to fight him once again. Another episode in a row we see where Goku is ready to stand up, even though he's dressed up as a girl, is ready to stand up and to fight no matter how big literally the challenge is. The town clock chimes, which sends Oolong into a panic. 
Oolong quickly flees the town. Goku chases him, but only finds a pig wearing, which looks like, I want to be careful with this. It almost looks like Chinese army clothes, um, you know, with the, with the green and the red stars, um, like definitely military clothes. At least that's what it looks like to me. Um, Goku asked the pig, did he see Oolong? Where did Oolong go? Where did this giant bull go? You know? And what happens? This pig misdirects Goku. Um, but then, as Goku takes off, this pig reveals to the viewers that this is Oolong's true form, that he is literally a pig. Um, and as he's giving a little bit of internal monologue exposition we understand that girls kept blowing him off so he went to shape-shifting school to get revenge and win them over the only problem with this is he can only hold the form for five minutes at a time hence why he panicked and freaked out whenever the town clock rang because he realized uh-oh i'm running out of time so now oolong transforms into a giant robot and he threatens to eat goku like very like transformer like, um, which is it's just a cool visual, a different art style we get to see. Um, until he makes this giant thing of he has this giant thing of hot soup and spills it on his hands, which allows this little kid dressed as a cowboy to fire a slingshot. Like just just a fun visual. Um, I love villages in Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z and GT, and even Super. Um, because it's like wild. It's like, you know, Toriyama. Um, I don't know if he did it on purpose to be funny or if he's like, you know, what would a remote village look like? Oh, it's going to have cowboys. It's going to have Indians. It's going to have, you know, priests. It's going to have just weird stuff. Um, it's just funny, just a creative visual. It seems very outlandish. Um, but that's Dragon Ball. That's Dragon Ball character design for background characters. And it's fun and it's enjoyable. So this little cowboy kid with a slingshot fires it. Oolong's character act begins to slip because of this. Between the distraction of burning his hands and being hit by the slingshot, um, his concentration is quickly going out the window. So Goku does a test of strength that spooks Oolong who turns into a bat to escape. Goku calls Nimbus and chases after Oolong. So Nimbus returns. We see this speed being put to the test as can Goku on Nimbus, can he catch up or outrun, outspeed, outfly a bat? Oolong changes into a rocket and takes off even faster and even further, but Goku is keeping up thanks to Nimbus. Goku is amazed by what Nimbus is able to do because Goku would normally never be able to go this fast. But then the five minutes is up. Oolong transforms back into a pig and plummets to his doom. No more rocket, just a pig. Pigs cannot fly. And Oolong plummets to his doom. Until Goku saves him, of course. Oolong is forced to face his actions and has to apologize to the entire village. You know, this is a very humbling moment for Mr. Oolong. His secrets are caught up. This man who got blown up and no one took seriously. 
you know, went to shape-shifting school, learned these abilities to force people to to command respect, not to earn it, but to command it via fear. Um, is now being reduced back to a pig that people are going to blow off and, and not care about. In fact, people are probably going to treat him a lot worse um, because of what he did. And so Oolong is forced to apologize to the entire village. Everyone demands to know where their daughters are that have been taken from Oolong. And Oolong leads the entire village to his shack, which is actually a palace. Like, he plays it off. He's like, okay, like, let's go back to my shack. And you're thinking it's going to be like this little dungy, like, broken down shack in the woods um, where girls are being kept prisoners, like a just a horrible, awful, torturous uh, visual. No, it's just casually a gigantic palace. He's rich. He's got everything he needs. Like, <laughs> dude is, it just shows you money does not buy happiness because he has everything and was not happy. And the parents of the lost children run into the palace to rescue their kids. But it's revealed that Oolong was actually miserable because these kids, these girls that he'd kidnapped to be his wives are revealed to be spoiled due to all the luxury and Oolong giving in to their will and buying them and giving them all the things they want, treating them like royalty and luxury. So much to the point that they're now bossing Oolong around and making him miserable. So kind of a a dramatic episode that ends just funny and lighthearted. Um, I mean, that's what Dragon Ball is, is about there. It's like a very whimsical adventure. I talked about this on last episode, just to give some context to Dragon Ball, but it really is. It's just this whimsical, fun, lighthearted adventure with moments of seriousness and drama and action um, and even tragedy at times just weaved into it. In my opinion, that that makes things last a lot longer as far as memory goes, as long as uh, effect of emotion and reactions goes, because you're not just playing to a single emotion um, and you're not just trying to get a single reaction. You're, you're capitalizing on a lot of things. It's one of those things like, you know, if you've ever had you know, heart to heart moments with friends or family members, you know, it's really easy to have moments of seriousness. And then you have uh, funny moments to to kind of ease the tension after that. And someone ends up crying, not because they're emotionally distraught, but because like the the laughter, the humor just hits so much deeper after this. And Dragon Ball is kind of do flip flopping that to where, hey, we're going to lure you in with just this fun, like, not campy, but whimsical. I really like that word, this whimsical adventure. And by you letting your guard down, by you having laughs, by you smiling and enjoying the story, when we have moments of seriousness and moments of drama and tragedy, it's going to hit a lot deeper because you're a lot more relaxed. You're a lot more open because you've already experienced a couple of different emotions up to this point. Now, that's not to discredit Dragon Ball Z, GT, or Super in any way, because you definitely still have those moments. Um, but 
they're a lot, Z is a lot more serious. Super ends up being a lot more serious. I know people, we talked about this last time, people um, rag on filler all the time. I I love filler, especially with the the universe of Dragon Ball, because I think it adds up to that depth of emotion. So great episode. I I liked it. Uh once again, I thank you guys for bearing with me and for being a week late. I apologize for that. I'm gonna make it up to you. So if you're listening to this, um it is either Monday or Tuesday. Um and you will have another one hopefully Thursday, Friday. Um just to make up just to keep us rolling. Um It'll be two episodes for now. We covered episode three and four today. We'll cover episodes five and six um, on the next episode. And who knows, maybe we'll jump it up to where it's seven, eight, nine, or maybe it'll just be seven to eight. And that's okay either way. I've got a couple of favors to ask you before I let you go, before you, you fast forward or turn off this podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving this a chance. This purely is just a passion project. You know, I'm not doing this to get rich. I'm not doing this to launch a media empire or to get a YouTube channel or podcast off the ground or anything like that. I'm doing that strictly because I love Dragon Ball. It's meant a lot to me. And I want other people to to give it a chance who maybe they just watched it a little bit when they were younger and it was airing in the US and that was it. Maybe they've never given it a chance. My hope for this show through the years is that you would just give it a chance and that you would find the things about it that you like and you would like those things a lot and end up just being a fan of it because there's truly some great, great moments just in art style um, as far as comedy goes that are great, as far as seriousness and drama goes is great, fight scenes, actions, like all those kind of things. There's just so much depth that um, when it, we look at the context is we look at the narrative from Dragon Ball through Dra- the end of Dragon Ball Super, man, there's just so much to work with. And it's just such a satisfying and rewarding journey and story to go on. If you haven't checked out the YouTube channel, please check out the YouTube channel. Um, there's going to be video versions of this podcast. What I mean by that is it'll be the audio from this paired with some visuals um, just to kind of help, especially if you've never seen Dragon Ball before, um, just to show off some characters, show off some key moments. Um, just because I think if you're a visual person like me, it helps a lot more. Um, if you could subscribe to both the YouTube channel and wherever you listen to podcasts, if you could like, if you could comment, if you can interact. Like I said, not because I want there to, you know, this to turn into a full-time job. That would be awesome. That'd be cool if literally the only thing I had to do for a living was talk about Dragon Ball. It's very unlikely, but what it does do by you liking and subscribing, commenting and interacting and sharing is it gives others the opportunity to not just hear why I enjoy Dragon Ball so much, but hopefully maybe spark a, a joy and a love and and enjoyment of Dragon Ball and them. You can also follow us on Instagram at through the years with a Z pod. That's at through the years pod on Instagram, where I'll announce when episodes are dropping. Um, as we get deeper into it, there'll be some visuals, some recaps, some things like that. 
Uh, just a fun way for me to be able to communicate and interact with you. Um, comment. Let's interact. If you've got memes, send me memes. If you've got moments from Dragon Ball, you know, hit me up, comment, tell me what your earliest memories, um, your favorite moments and stuff like that. I've done a lot of talking. My voice is still recovering. So I think that's where we're going to end today. We'll be back next episode. It'll be episode three, but we'll be going over episodes five and six. My name is Landon. You've been listening to Through the Years, a Dragon Ball pod. We'll see you next week.